0: if they can have a reasonable discussion with me, if they can meet a reasonable person who holds a different opinion, there's a chance we might start to build a bridge. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, Thinking of the other person. Real friendliness. Coming up on this episode of Awesome Etiquette, should wedding guests have a change of attire? Can you be too approachable? A couple of your awesome etiquette entertaining questions. And do you have to write thank you notes to funeral attendees? In our postscript segment, we'll talk about tolerance and Tier 2 topics of conversation.
1: Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post.
0: And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute.
1: A uh, d- b- d- b- 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 d- b- wedding.
0: I know. Ah. <laughs> I didn't sleep last night. Oh my gosh,
1: is that setting in?
0: <laughs> it is. And this is my last day in town at home before heading to the wedding so, site. So I've got a 24 hour countdown from 8 o'clock this morning nice. to be packed and ready to go for the next two weeks.
1: That is amazing.
0: It is. If everything comes together by. T minus twenty, dude. I'm f- <laughs> two hours feeling from it. now. <laughs> I
1: was like on the on the on the live chat with India. When is my sorry gonna get here? I mean, I'm freaking out, and it's not even my wedding.
0: Yeah. <laughs> good news is all the physical pieces are in place. Okay, good. Like some of the remaining to dos, uh, a couple more rehearsals of the first dance, the playlist for the reception, oh, the nice. the slideshow. Uh, so it's 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 creative stuff. It's the fun stuff that um. It would be good as is, but it's fun to invest yourself in it.
1: <laughs> well, I know that you made one of our youngest family members very excited. He, um, Little Alexander Post found out nice. that he was going to be riding in the convertible, in the barat? Is yes. that what it's called? And we can say it because—
0: we will be hearing this or this will be airing after the wedding. After
1: the wedding. He will so, be riding in the barat. Yeah. Um he was really excited about it. He found out. And that Pete told me that's an honor of the the youngest generation, the oldest member of the youngest living generation. Yeah.
0: Yes. He's the oldest Male nephew, <laughs> so a position of of some honor, some distinction in in that generation of the family. So he sits with the groom, but um, he's
1: not your nephew because you don't have any nephews yet. How does so? Is it just that if there aren't any nephews, it goes to it, then
0: cousins, nephews like aunties and uncles. Oh, is special a, a broad broad term. term. Okay, um, gotcha. in this particular case, gotcha. but you know, usually if there was an actual nephew, nephew he yes, would be the one. In our case, where we've got this cousin network, and and that is the next generation.
1: Okay, so wait, what effect. about the girls? Um, there's there's roles
0: there also. I'm I'm trying to remember, and, and because um, you have we, so
1: many details in your head, and we
0: don't have a horse, and I think there's actually a role for feeding the horse. That's maybe like the sisters, or the. the I'm I'm serious. It's
1: so someone could be walking next to the convertible with a tank of gas. <laughs> something something to
0: that effect. Yes. Um, cool. But I'm so glad Alex is psyched because yeah, I, I, sometimes excited. he has bouts of shyness. So I the know. Idea is yeah. To, no, to...
1: he'll be fine. He's gonna ride in a convertible with a bunch of people he knows. He'll be yeah. totally fine. But he was looking forward to it for sure.
0: And I'm starting to look forward to it. It's it's um, I'm starting to feel the excitement from some of the guests. I'm as I'm talking to people who are making their final plans. Other people are sort of joining us in that preparatory phase, and I yeah. can kind of feel them getting on board as I hear from more and more of those people. And. Um, I keep coming back to your sister's advice. Do what's going to make you feel married. I'm going to feel so married four days <laughs> from mean, now.
1: Well, what I love is that you came into the office a couple weeks ago after having picked up the rings or or Pooja had picked up the rings. And you were like, I just want to wear it already. I just want to <laughs> wear it already. It's like you're so you are so ready to be married, yeah. and I think it's going to be really fun. And next week's show, we get to talk about what that was like.
0: I know, right? It's been wedding, 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 and maybe now it'll be a little bit of an exhale. <laughs>
1: I'm sure. I'm
0: sure everyone out there is ready to talk about something else. No, no, <laughs> I
1: can't wait to give them the full rundown. Tell them what the food was like, what the dancing oh. was like, what everyone's outfits were like. I think it's just gonna. I'm man, you're so not a little, getting a out little of more it. wedding to. We're count. gonna tell everybody <laughs> everything. <laughs> so you'll have to tune in next week. But shall we get started with today's show?
0: Let's. Sure, you're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others.
1: On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Our first question begins. Hello, I'm trying to be respectful of my husband's wishes. It's his 50th birthday. I sent out Save the Dates and asked for love letters back with postage for easy return. Just a line or two, or more, of a birthday wish or a positive sentiment. I'm trying to collect 50 of them and have only gotten five back. I was thinking of having a brunch for up to 40 people, but feeling a little offended that I have not received as many love letters as I sent out. And I stated on the Save the Dates that I was collecting these now. It's been two weeks. Is there anything wrong with having just family go to the brunch, which is about 25, and have friends over to the house early evening for cake? Thank you. This is kind of a different one for a couple reasons. Number one, you don't usually send save-the-dates to a birthday party. (laughs) Second, I'm looking at it and thinking that if she sent out 50 of them to 50 people, but she's only inviting 40 people to brunch— So you sent a save-the-date card to 10 people who aren't invited to the...
0: Maybe. It's accounting for 20% no-shows. It's
1: it's more of a wedding thing than a birthday thing. Yeah. I don't know. To our, our writer, I would just say I think this could be a little awkward for some of the guests if they're then not receiving an invitation to a party. Yeah. That being said... She sent this request for a love letter out, and I think she did the right thing by sending a a self-addressed stamped envelope with it, make it really easy on people. I would say that it's best to call guests about the RSVP and check in on the the letters.
0: Absolutely. If you're not hearing back about those RSVPs, call and and follow it up. And I also agree a a thousand percent with the sentiment that however you're feeling about it now, once you've sent Save the Dates... It would be very. It would be strange to me to not then follow with an invitation yeah. for the party, and and I and I can appreciate feeling like maybe you want to change tack at this point, but um, figuring out some plan that stays true to the save the date that's already sent, I think yeah. is really advisable.
1: Which it sounds like she might be doing with the the friends over to the with house the with the cake
0: yes so, so no i i, so it, your, I think your plan you're right could there.
1: work here and
0: there's certainly nothing inappropriate about having a brunch for one group of people and and a cake a,
1: big light cake party reception for, yeah.
0: and light fare for for a larger group of people i also noticed right at the beginning your answer this sort of a little a, a confusion in your tone and i so understand it and and i could understand someone receiving one of these save the dates under feeling a little confusion also an, an rsvp is something i'm used to but a a request for a love letter response. I'm just because I don't, be have a, I don't have a, s- a slot to put it in. Yeah, I might I might ignore it. I might not respond, or I and, might
1: just not remember it because it's not what I'm used to having to respond to.
0: Exactly, it's not it's not a quick checkbox. Okay, I do this, and then I've met my social obligation here, and. I think the follow-up call, just to clarify, let people know what it is and be willing to have a pen in your hand maybe and jot down the nice thing that they say. Make it easy on your guests to to do the thing that you want them to do.
1: Yeah, and mostly we hope that however the party turns out, that your husband feels really special on his 50th birthday because it sounds like you're really trying to make that happen. Best of luck to you.
0: Our next question has to do with just how much to order. Hi, Lizzie and Daniel. I love your podcast. I have a question about etiquette in regards to a group dinner. I am the owner of a small business, and every few months I have an optional meeting slash get-together for my staff. Usually we meet at a coffee shop, and I purchase everyone's beverages, coffee or tea, and pastries of choice. I have invited our staff for tapas and happy hour at a beautiful and laid-back location for my birthday. I have organized our event and have told everyone this isn't a mandatory meeting and that it is just a fun get-together. Is it assumed I will pay for everything since I am the boss, even though this is a fun event rather than a meeting? My budget will allow me to spend $165 prior to gratuity and taxes on the evening, which is within reason if everyone orders one drink and one tapa. If it is assumed I will pay for the evening, do I tell the staff ahead of time or just give my card to the wait staff and tell them to put it all on there? Also, if it is assumed I will pay for everything, do I make room in the budget for an individual ordering more than one item? Thank you very much for your help. Warmly, Crystal.
1: Hmm, I think that Crystal's heart's in the right place. I would what I would suggest you do, Crystal though, is I think that you should go into it with your budget of 165 then knowing that there'll be gratuity and taxes on top of that. And I think that you should pre-order all the tapas. And um, I would do something like maybe wine or something that's a little easier to share, easier to to say this is kind of what's been purchased for the evening. And then if people ask for another drink, the the servers are able to say, you know, we've the, the hostess has purchased wine for the evening if you would like a drink from the bar. Please go up to the bar and start a tab for yourself. I've had that happen at many mm-hmm. a party that's done at a restaurant. And I think it works pretty well because then, you know, your host is taking care of you. But also this is happening. If you want this just to be a get together where you say, hey, let's all meet up just for fun drinks because we're always meeting for meetings. Then it can be a everyone pay their own way kind of thing and you don't have to host. But you, you mentioned that this is for your birthday. Mm-hmm. What do you think?
0: I I think that's the A-plus answer. I have oh. v- oh, very you. little to add. I, I, I would say the same things. Yeah. Do the ordering ahead of time if you have a limit and you really want to set it. And order enough for everybody. Yeah. If you don't have a big enough budget, don't throw the party. And
1: order the things that you think people would really like and, yeah. and kind of get the
0: most bang for your buck on. And then set up a limited drink menu. And I yeah. think that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then that doesn't mean people can't order something else. Yeah. But that that's up to them and they'll know – What's and been provided. Dan's
1: got a good point on the limited drink menu. You could have just a couple cocktails that are offered or you could have like a selection of beer and wine that's offered. That way you can control the price, but there's some variety for people if you didn't want to just do bottles of wine or a big bottle of Prosecco or something like that. Um, hope that helps. And happy birthday. Have a great party. Happy
0: birthday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dan, I'm I'm tossing this one at you since it's a wedding question. I usually tackle them, but I figure since it's your wedding week. <laughs> Dear Lizzie and Dan, do guests have to change dress as the ceremony is at 3 p.m. in a church and the function, I'm assuming she means reception, only starts at 7 30. All the guests want to know. The wedding party will stay in the same attire as some of the photos are being taken before. Regards, mother in law, Susan. What do you think?
0: Well, Susan, (laughs) this is an interesting question. I'm curious about the standard for attire that afternoon. Um, it's it's entirely possible a change of dress would be appropriate. Uh, 7.30 evening wedding, I'm guessing that maybe it's black tie. Maybe it's that level of formality. If that's the case and your afternoon attire is not black tie formal, then definitely you're going to want to change up for that event if that's the, the nature of it. Um, it wouldn't be inappropriate to wear that formal wear to the afternoon ceremony if – that's what other people are going to be wearing. And it sounds like that might be the case when 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 you mentioned that the wedding party will be in the same attire. Um, so that would be how I would handle it if I didn't want to make a change. But I think many people really enjoy that notch up into the evening. And if you're one of those people, by all means, enjoy that transition. And If if you're a a listener to the show who remembers back about 10 episodes when I attended that wedding out in Newport, it was one of the things that I noticed about the the progression of the weekend at the last wedding that I went to that the formality escalated over the days and then even over the day of the wedding. There was a morning time ceremony with a lunch that followed and then the evening – Reception definitely was to the nines. People brought out um, the the next level of their formal attire, and it really created a special feel to that event. So, um, I would just offer that as something to think about. Maybe maybe look at it as an opportunity to really wow them, but um, certainly not not the only way to handle the situation.
1: It is one of those things too, where you want to think about for your guests their ease. I mean, it's one thing if you get married at three p.m., the service takes an hour. And then there's, you know, three hours in between the service and the reception. That might be time for people to go home and change. But if a lot of people can't go back to their hotel room, can't. Get to where you know somewhere in between to make the change. I would reassure them to just show up in their in their attire for the evening at 3 p.m. and and make sure that they know that that's perfectly okay. That the wedding party will be doing that.
0: Thank you for mentioning that's the structure of the wedding that I'm throwing in about three days. (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) Well, whether you decide to make a change or not, we hope the wedding is fabulous and that you have a great time. Our next question begins, dear Lizzie and Dan. Is it possible to be too approachable? For as long as I can remember, I have found myself in tricky social situations with strangers, and I think it must have something to do with the way I carry myself or the way I interact with people I don't know. I can think of countless incidents where I've been in a public place and have had conversations with total strangers go south, so to speak. It starts with a basic greeting or a bit of small talk, and then somehow it goes from a simple, polite conversation to lengthy conversations about topics that I don't think are appropriate to discuss with someone I don't know. I've had to listen to people make homophobic comments, go on Islamophobic rants, or even describe the numerous medical treatments they've received. These conversations make me incredibly uncomfortable, and I don't know how to avoid them or exit them once I've found myself part of one. I've tried doing other things like reading or putting in headphones or using my smartphone to attempt to indicate that I'm not in the mood, but this doesn't always work. I don't know what to do. I don't want to be rude, especially to strangers or people who are my elders. I would sincerely appreciate any suggestions you have regarding how to avoid or escape these interactions. Thank you so much for your time and thankful for all that you do with your podcast. It's an extremely valuable resource. Best, Kelsey. Oh,
1: Kelsey. Kelsey. I used to date a guy, and he and I used to say, What do we have like talk to me stamped on our forehead? Because it was the same thing. We were, we always, and it was always the really extreme people. It was always the people that had the sob story or that, yeah, would have some kind of a a really, um, Ter- I don't want to say terrible, but um, politically incorrect agenda. Sure,
0: <laughs> it was so tough, and it's so true. Some people really shine. Some people just draw; they draw <laughs> oh, other a nice people way to, to them. Say it. Yeah, and I never want to tell anyone to tone down their shine. I always think it's a sucker <laughs> on my forehead or
1: something like that. But um, I don't want to tell you to stop being the the, the shiny person yeah. that Dan's talking about. I think that having that small talk is a it, it makes you a, a brighter part of this world. And I would never want to encourage you to not be that person who who smiles and says a friendly hello or or has a slight comment to a, mm. to a person. I think that's your nature and I'm never going to tell you not to do that. But what I would say is that as soon as that first sentence comes out about the recent medical treatment or the homophobic comment or the whatever, that's when I would encourage you um, – with a very with a very easy but confident voice to say i'm sorry i don't want to engage in this conversation mm-hmm. and it's your right as a person talking to a stranger to be able to say that mm-hmm. and then turn around and and i encourage you to ignore them mm-hmm. And if you have to leave, then you have to leave. But I think that's a good hard
0: yeah. limit. It's don't don't let yourself be victimized, and know that ultimately there is nothing rude about disengaging from a conversation that you're not comfortable with. Absolutely nothing at all.
1: Nothing rude at all.
0: In some ways, it's a bit of a tease for our postscript. We're going to talk about how to talk politics and how to approach some of these tier two difficult conversations. Um, having sort of staked out that territory of, yeah. one, sitting there and just listening to something you're not comfortable with, two, saying that it's entirely appropriate to excuse yourself from the conversation. Yeah. In the middle, I, there might be some territory, and I, I'm I'm reminded of of myself visiting New York City <laughs> recently, <laughs> and you, you come out of your cabin in Huntington, Vermont, and you head down to the city, and boy, it's there's just people everywhere and stuff's going on. You can feel it. It's so exciting. And it takes me a little while, like a few hours to get the complete shine off me (laughs) in a couple days to really get get any sort of city awareness where I don't look like that wide-eyed deer in the headlights (laughs) walking around looking to engage everybody because I just don't see that many people on a daily basis and New Yorkers have this this effective way of not Engaging each other despite sharing a lot of proximity with each other. Yeah. And it's definitely a skill. That, it's a, that, city skill. That it a city skill. It is a city skill. That degree to which you make yourself available to the people around you, how deep the interactions that you have with the people that you pass by or you encounter in your day go. And – I love my visits to the Midwest. When I get off the plane, all of a sudden, everyone's got time to interact with you everywhere. and Because I'm a bit of a cheese ball from the Emily Post Institute. I love that. I, I do I these do little too. interactions, and I feel really comfortable <laughs> and at home. Um, so I, I, maybe that will help a little bit. I'm, I'm sort of drawing out a, a, a long-winded metaphor here. But if you could think about putting on your city kit or your your – Put your country cousin away for just a minute. <laughs> um,
1: she may be a city kid. She might have been born true. and raised in it's New York, true. for all we know. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone lives on a mountain. Sorry, I'm just take, I'm teasing Dan because he's.
0: And and talking. and, and <laughs> granted, this isn't this isn't really um, uh, targeted <laughs> etiquette advice. It's more a, a thought that might be useful within the larger parameter of. It's really not not. Um, required for you to sit and listen to someone have a conversation or say it's things not. that you don't think it's are appropriate not. so
1: definitely i i hate i hate telling someone to ignore another person but you've done the polite part of a- acknowledging that they're there saying something polite that's that small talk conversation and then it went too far and that's when you're allowed to put that boundary up and you know either call someone on your phone start doing something if they keep talking at you just keep ignoring them it, it's that it's that simple and it's also difficult, so just stick with it and know that you aren't being rude. You gave them the politeness they needed in the beginning, and that is all that is required of you. Good luck, though, man. I feel for it. It is tough. It is tough, Kelsey. (laughs) So good luck. Our final question for today deals with funeral acknowledgments. Please advise if it is necessary to send a thank you note to people who attended the funeral of a family member or Do you only send them to those who sent flowers or cards? Thank you, Marina.
0: Marina, uh, thank you for your question. It's got a simple answer. You are not required to send thank you notes to people who attended the funeral. Um, It is a really important step to send thank you notes to people who have sent condolence cards or flowers. But for those that just attended the funeral, um, a personal acknowledgement is fine.
1: And the reason for this is is much the same as to why you actually – put an announcement of a funeral you don't send invitations to a funeral you put an announcement in the paper you make it public because you never know who the person who the deceased had touched in their lives who they made an impact on Mm -hmm. and so you want to give everyone a chance i remember that one of the families i babysat for the father the the kind of patriarch in the family passed away and when they had the service um or The Wake, it was a a line literally five blocks long down the street of people waiting to come in to to pay their respects to the family because he touched that many people in the community, and it was all day long that line was that big. It Mm -hmm. just kept replenishing, and it was unbelievable. And you're never going to know all of the people who came to that funeral, and you're never going to be – sadly, you won't – other than that verbal connection you might be able to make with them after or before the service – there's a good chance that you you won't be able to pay that respect. So it's something that's kind of just understood that they attend it for their own circumstance and to be supportive of you and um, just wish them well from your heart.
0: Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness.
1: Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. You guys have such great questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, please feel free to send it in. You can also submit your questions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just remember to use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question on the show.
0: This week's Postscript, we're going to talk a little bit about etiquette and politics, and it's a, an appropriate topic sitting here in the studios of Vermont Public Radio because today is the day that Bernie Sanders will announce his presidential bid down on the waterfront of our, our little Burlington town here. It feels like we're <laughs>
1: scooping the news because that's not going to happen until this evening, but... You'll all be listening to this show next week.
0: And there's definitely a buzz in this building as people prepare to exciting. head down there. Vermont doesn't have a lot of big political news. So this is this is definitely a big deal in this yeah, little state. It's exciting. Um, but however you feel about Bernie Sanders and his run for the presidency.
1: Or anyone's run for the exactly. presidency. Exactly. <laughs>
0: it really, um, for, for me, seems like it was an appropriate moment to think a little bit about politics and talk a little bit about politics. And we've talked about tiers in conversation and small talk, safe territory, sports, weather, celebrities, what you had for breakfast. In tier two, the religion and politics and dating or your love life tier, there's that political question. And we talk about tier two topics of conversation being potentially controversial risky they're a little bit risky and we say you maybe avoid them in polite company or in those those moments when
1: with acquaintances uh, when you don't know who might have what opinion a new
0: business associate and yeah. you really haven't felt each other out yet so at the same time, our civil society would cease to function if we couldn't have political discussions. the The, the existence of our democracy and our democratic process requires that we're able to have political discussions and have them intelligently and coherently, and and have those discussions with people who we don't always necessarily agree with. And that's really the the, the heart of um, today's postscript is looking at at tolerance and how we come together around disagreement and when. When we're teaching our business etiquette seminars, we sometimes talk about strategies for having these tier two conversations and things that are, are important to think about before you go into a discussion about politics. And one of the first things that I like to remind people is that by definition, one of these controversial subject areas or topic areas, there are people who have very different opinions about those topics. That's that's what makes them so controversial and they they potentially will feel very strongly about them and it's legitimate that they do. And just having that framework in your mind when you enter the discussion. When you when you start talking politics, you have to prepare yourself for the person that you're dialoguing with or discoursing with or the people that you're dialoguing with or discoursing with to have an opinion very different than yours. And you have to be prepared to accept that. Now, it doesn't mean that you think they're right.
1: <laughs> yeah. You don't have to adopt it, but accepting it is different. It
0: doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but yeah. it does mean you have to accept their the legitimacy of them having that opinion. And-
1: what is, what is it that we always say? I will respect your opinion no matter how wrong it is.
0: Exactly. <laughs> but it's
1: like we always joke about that in our family, but it's the truth. It's It's I will. It, yeah.
0: Absolutely. And, and and it's really where the test begins, yeah. um, the temptation to resort to the, the ad hominem attack or the, the response to the person. I can't believe you would think that or I can't believe that's one of the hard you ones get your information from the, uh, someone as intelligent as you should know better than to trust that source.
1: What Dan's bringing up is one of the first places where people break away from being able to have that intelligent conversation. And it's the. It's the shock that someone that you know and respect and like so much could think so very differently from you.
0: Yeah, no, and and it's, it's it's a risky trap and it's easy to to fall into very quickly and without even imagining it, but but first of all being willing to keep the focus on the issue that you're talking about and not on the other person I think is is critically important.
1: One thing I try to do in that moment is is to simply remind myself okay, this this is a a subject that we're talking about we aren't talking about our relationship it's it's almost like in my head i try to go to the place of this is where we're different just remember that we're different
0: yeah another huge tip for getting through these conversations is prepare yourself to listen yes (laughs) you've got a perspective you want to share it (laughs) At the same time, the other person hopefully does also. And um, you can challenge yourself to listen at least 50% of the time if there's one other person. If there's two other people, guess what? You only get to talk 30% of the time. <laughs> it, your, your share of the talking pie goes down very quickly as more people get involved. <laughs> Another way to think of it is be a detective, be curious. Why is this other person holding this? I mean, what, wh- what is the place that they're operating from that brought them to this perspective? And if you can figure that out, you'll have learned something, you'll have figured out. And, and, and maybe you might start to figure out the way to have the discussion in a way that, that allows you to represent yourself in a way that they're going to understand. And then the final point that I like to make to people is that willingness to listen is about more than just playing a role. Um, I've, I've, got, I've got some friends who I disagree with about <laughs> politics very strongly, <clears throat> and I oftentimes remind myself that I'm not likely to convince them with an argument. Nope. The logic that I put forward or that new statistic or piece of data that I came across isn't likely to change their mind. But if they can have a reasonable discussion with me, if they can meet a reasonable person who holds a different opinion, there's a chance we might start to build a bridge. It's not just crazy people or other people who think that. It's someone they know and respect. And in the same way that I remind myself that someone I can still respect might really disagree with me, affording them that respect is, I think, the best way to earn it and to start to build it. Um, that's my pitch you're right. no, for that, the political. What I, political what I part love of that about
1: discussion. the last one is that it takes the um, it it takes that I can judge that group for thinking that way out of it because there's like you said there's someone that they know possibly love and respect in that group. They know you're an intelligent person. They like the way you make certain decisions in your life. They might not like this, but at least then you become a voice for that group that they. That they have associated with just, oh, those nut jobs over there thinking this. Yeah. Oh, but wait, my good friend or my family member is one of those people. And yep. either you then get in <laughs> that group in their head or it's just you're right. You, you have a little bit more of a foothold with them. And you're right. It's not to change them. But it's to give respect to the ideas
0: that might be held by others. Yeah. Um, A final tip, and I would use it to wrap up our discussion today, is when you enter those discussions, be willing to exit them. (laughs) Be willing to back away. If it becomes argumentative, it becomes heated, your willingness to cede the last word is – I think it's a prerequisite for getting into the conversation to begin with. You can always respect someone else's opinion and their right to hold it even if you don't think that it's – correct or right <laughs> so as the political seasons heat up good luck happy talking politics it's one of my favorite things to do <laughs> um, but do it well do it with respect and, and hopefully we can build some bridges over the next year You're ready
1: to end our show on a positive note with an etiquette salute and I do want to encourage you to send your salutes in because we're out of salutes. We need salutes. Send we need us salutes, your salutes. For the Come on. We know there's great <laughs> people out there doing great things and we want to hear about the great people in your life doing great things. Today's salute begins, I was recently asked out on a date by a very nice gentleman. We were both working the same event at a music festival and chatted quite a bit over the course of the weekend. We exchanged numbers and soon after. After He got in touch with me very early on in the conversation. He actually said, I really enjoyed talking with you and I would love to take you out for dinner. It was so refreshing to hear those words. It is so awkward to go out with someone and not be sure if it's a date or just two friends hanging out. It seems increasingly common that people are hedging their bets when it comes to dating and just asking someone to hang out. As if to say, I like you, but something better might come along, and I don't want to take you on a real date if things aren't going to work out. I think clarity of communication is always important, but particularly in the very complicated world of dating. And I really appreciated this gentleman stating what his intentions were at the beginning so that I knew what to expect. Again, thank you both so much for a wonderful podcast. Best, Sarah. Sarah, that is a lovely (laughs) salute. I couldn't be more in your camp and agree. Indeed. I I do hope you get either more asks like that or that this is the beginning of something really great in your life.
0: You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you, so send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy, tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore post.
1: And I'm at Lizzie a. Post.
0: Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. Our show was edited and produced by Hans Bute.
1: And I can hear the angels <laughs> sing. Sorry you such a heavy thing.